The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Tuesday, August 15th, 2023. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN. 106.7 for the next two hours on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Uh, Hot day today. Oh, my goodness. I'm saying it every day, but it seems like it gets hotter every single day. And that's why I have to bring it up every time I'm in here. And as I look out the window and as I was doing some final show prep here in the studio, thunder starting to rumble a little bit outside. Looks like it may uh, come a flood here for the next few minutes. I looked up the weather and, and maybe over the next hour or two, Looks like it's a possibility uh, of some rain here in the Auburn Opelika area, so we'll see uh, if that is the case. But I uh, hope you're all doing well on on this August uh, August fifteenth, two thousand twenty three. Halfway through the month, isn't that crazy? Halfway through the month of August, we are now eighteen days. Uh, no, excuse me, we're I think eighteen. Yeah, eighteen days away uh, from the start of Auburn football as we get closer and closer uh, to. The second fall scrimmage this Saturday inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium, which means we will be then two weeks away from the start of Auburn football, and it'll be here before you know it. Uh, Lots going on this week around here. I mentioned yesterday uh, we've been or I've been really trying to get ready for uh, Lee Scott Academy, their first football game this Thursday night at home against Chambers Academy over at Judd Scott Field. So if you have a chance to, to get out there for that, uh, I highly recommend it. If you cannot, uh, you can catch me on the radio on AU100. That's AU100FM.com as well. Um, but, yeah, tune in on, on Thursday and – and see if Lee Scott can get off to a, to the right start coming off of a uh, state championship win last year in 2023. So that gets started on Thursday. Auburn High gets started the, the week after that. And, of course, Auburn University gets started the week after that. And uh, good buddy Jack Hutton just texted me and said he got back in the car, and it's triple digits. And when you look it up outside right now, temperature is 92 feels like 106 so there you go there is uh there's your weather update for the day as i as i always say do not use me as your weatherman but uh i can tell you that it's very hot outside so uh, again hope you're all doing well busy times but busy is good we have a lot to talk about today here on the tuesday edition of on the line got some audio to play for you of the the latest braves today podcast with ben taylor and Lindsay crosby updating you on what's going on with the braves and their pitching staff as the uh, Bravo is still the best team in baseball, still the best record in baseball, but maybe some concerns starting to creep in on this squad as we get closer and closer to the playoffs uh, that will begin coming up in a month or so. 
And so I'm going to start the show off today with that. We'll talk about that a little bit. Want to take a look at the preseason AP Top 25. Didn't get a chance to do that yesterday, so I do want to do that on the show today. Uh, look at some of the teams, where they stacked up. Look at who Auburn has to play inside that Top 25. Uh, you won't be surprised by the amount they have to play in that top 25 uh who's going to be the biggest risers and fallers by season's end that's always a really fun game to play as well uh and then we'll talk some Auburn football recruiting coming up in hour number two plus it's Tuesday which means Daryl Dapperts will join us coming up in hour number two at 3 30 he's always just a joy to talk to and is one of the best in the business talking Auburn sports so we'll talk to him coming up at 3.30. So that's what's on the plan and on the docket for today. Again, going to start with uh, some audio, the Brave Today podcast, the latest edition of that with Ben Taylor from News Talk WANI and Auburn Opelika this morning and our good friend Lindsey Crosby of uh, BraveToday.com and the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast and of Auburn Daily. These two guys do a fantastic job talking all things Atlanta Braves and again, this is them talking about the pitching woes going on in Atlanta right now. Welcome in Braves Today, bravestoday.com. He is Lindsey Crosby. I'm Ben Taylor. Lindsey, is portions of the starting rotation for the Braves absolutely broken beyond repair? (laughs) Sometimes it feels like that, right? (laughs) Uh, I do think that there's a reason that Tampa Bay DFA'd Yanni Chirinos. And, I mean, it's something... The Rays are an organization just like Atlanta that are very good at developing pitchers. And so if if Tampa Bay couldn't figure out how to make it work and Atlanta has not so far made it work. I mean, he has a 9-3-3 ERA in four starts for Atlanta, 18 strikeouts to six walks. That is you can get better performance out of guys already on the roster than that. So Yanni Chirinos, I think, is done. I don't I, I, I don't think they'll DFA him. They may move him to the bullpen, something like that. I think he's done. But Bryce Elder is a tougher one because everybody looks at the surface stats and they're like, well, he was an all-star. At one point, he led the league in ERA. And when you look at all of the stuff around what he does, and I wrote this up last week after his start, you look at like all of the pitch movement from beginning of the season to now is in essence the same. The stuff is literally the same. Yeah. Uh, All of the, the peripherals, you know, his hard hit rate and all that stuff, like he's actually outperformed everything i think this is more of who bryce elder is and he he got he had really good luck early he i mean we don't like to talk about how much luck plays a role in baseball but it absolutely does and i think he like looking at the fielding independent pitching and some of those advanced stats the expected stats and things like that he significantly outperformed where he should have been based on what he was throwing early in the year. And so I think right now, if you're starting a postseason series tomorrow, I think your starters, Bryce Elder's probably not in that group of three, right? It's for, it's Freed, Strider, and Morton. I don't think Elder's in that group. And yeah. if you're picking four starters, Elder still may not be in that group, or he may have an incredibly short leash. Yeah, and the thing is, is I tell, it makes it look even worse, uh, Chirinos and Elder, because, uh, you know, because I sent the, the text to you and I said, let's talk winners and losers. And the winners were, even though Morton had kind of an off game, he still, those three starters, Winans and Strider and, and Morton, didn't give up any runs. I mean, they shut them out. They, they, were, they, they shut out the Mets. And I understand it's the Mets. I, I, I totally get that. However, 
that made Chirinos look even worse because he didn't pitch against anybody differently than the other three guys did, and he just could not get it done, and they were pitting the ball all over the ballpark on him. Yeah, I mean, it was it was not pretty. And the comparison, like you said, that's the big thing. That's what makes it look worse. And so I think at this point, you've seen – the good and the bad of guys like uh, uh, Michael Soroka. I mean, he just had a complete game shutout the other day for for, for Gwinnett. He's had some bad starts for Gwinnett, but like you've seen him, you've seen A.J. Smith-Shaver. You can even go back to a guy like a Jared Schuster. You've seen so many other guys in here that can give you number five starts that I don't think you have to accept Yanni Chirinos. And if there's not a transaction in the next couple days, I'm going to be a little bit disappointed. I think he'd be on track to to start over the weekend versus San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And I think how good they are at uh, optimizing what they do against pitchers who struggle and platoon work and things like that, that might be a bad idea to have him start against the Giants. So hopefully by the off day on Thursday, they've made some sort of move. I mean, even Winans, when he comes up, and the bad part is, is Winans, he struggled a little bit to begin with, but it seemed like he got stronger as the game went on. And since he was throwing a shutout, I know that they pulled him. He went through seven, is that right? And uh, they and they threw bullpen relief in the eighth and ninth. And I was like, you know what? Up by seven, why not go ahead and throw him in the eighth? Let's put him out there and see what he does. But uh, he those middle innings were way better than the first two just sight-wise. I have no idea, not looking at the stats in front of me or anything, but he looked a lot stronger in the middle innings than he looked at. Maybe nerves kicked in on him to begin with, but then you could tell he got a little weaker as, as it got on. I don't. I know he couldn't have gone the eighth just because he was he was giving up some hard hit balls in the seventh. Yeah, and, and he talked about, I mean, he was drafted by the Mets. So yeah. it's something like you always want to beat every team. And we've had quotes from like Aussies, like we want to beat everybody, but like it means more when it's them. And this was absolutely one of those personal games for him. And he, you know, he gives up that extra base hit in the se- in the seventh, and it's like, okay, this is going to be your last inning. But he showed you enough despite his stuff not being great. He's in a similar boat to Elder, right? Mm-hmm. Like his, like Wyden's fastball didn't break 90 in the start, but he goes seven scoreless innings with only four hits and two runs. I'm sorry, four hits and two walks to nine strikeouts. And so like the, the, the Brewers start was two runs and four and a third innings. But I think Winans has shown you that he deserves another shot over a guy like a Chirinos. Mm-hmm. You have Soroka, you have plenty of options where, I mean, do I think Winans is going to win a playoff game for you? Probably not. Mm. But he's the exact kind of guy you need to get through these mid to late August starts. When you're being honest, you're kind of trying to run out the clock to get to the postseason. Like, that's what you're doing. The Braves, they don't have it locked up. They're not done. The Phillies are still legitimately a threat. But, like, the Braves are just kind of waiting for the regular season to end to get into the postseason. And Winans is a lot more useful right now than a guy like Chirinos is. And I think uh, Braves fans are getting a little bit nervous because, you know, he's known for Snit is known for sticking with guys. So I, I'm like you. I'm kind of curious what Chirinos does or what they do with him. Curious to see what they do with Elder, because as you just said, when it gets playoff time, you just mentioned the Phillies just a little bit ago. Is there any pressure on the Braves right now? The Phillies are a hot team. The only team hotter than the Phillies are the Braves right now. I feel like if you didn't go in and have the series that you had against New York, you would be feeling the pressure. Mm-hmm. But it's something where like every single uh, month it feels like we talk about the Braves. Oh yeah, the Braves had this uh, had, had had this record, or like hey they struggled and the division lead went up by half a game or it went down by half a game. And 
I think you just you keep playing your baseball. I don't think you have to worry about Philly. I think even Philly is at the point where they're thinking more about the wild card. And they're thinking about the division. Mm-hmm. This feels like it's 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 eleven games. You have a, you have you have eleven games uh, as far as your lead, but for the most part. Don't worry too much about Philly. Play your game. Make sure everybody's feeling good to get into the postseason. Yeah, you continue to win series. You got absolutely zero to worry about. That's for sure. Or even split series, these four game series. And I think that's the thing is a lot of. Yes, we can put a lot of it on Chirinos. But and I said this whenever uh, I did a a post pirate um, pod is it, it is hard to sweep a four game series. It's. It's a heck of a lot easier to sweep a three-game series than it is to take four in a row from somebody. It's tough to win four games in a row, period. Like, mm-hmm. not even against the – not even when you're talking about the same team. It's tough for people to, to string four wins in a row together, period. And yeah. to do it against the same team is even tougher, especially when you're having to throw a Chirinos out there on the mind. As far as Wright is concerned, another rehab that he's been doing, he's still doing some bullpen sessions. Is there any sort of timeline on him whatsoever? They haven't officially given one. At the deadline, they were talking about they fully intended for him to be back starting – uh, by September. And so being mid-August, the fact he's in Florida throwing right now, I don't know if beginning of September is a realistic time frame, but it does feel like everything we've heard, he still should be on track to be throwing uh, games at the major league level in September. I think he's going to end up being your fourth starting option in the postseason, provided he's back to form, simply because, like I said, you have enough options to get to the regular season He's going to be a guy with a lot of the breaks you have in the postseason, too. You probably won't need him in the like the divisional series. It's if you make the NLCS, that's where you need a guy like Kyle Wright. I think the Braves have long runway with him and they're kind of keeping him They're They're taking their time with him, right? Mm-hmm. They're not trying to rush him back. It's not urgent because the lead is so big. But uh, they are still working on him being a starter. Somebody asked about him being a reliever, and they said, no, he's going to be a starter for us. Mm. It's just a matter of getting him uh, back into uh, into game shape, getting him stretched back out, and making sure he stays healthy. So Get off of pitching a little bit, and let's talk about the probably the hottest guy in baseball right now, Matt Olson, and the series that he just had, as well as taking the major league lead in home runs over uh, Otani with the Angels. And Otani hasn't made up any ground, so he's, he should be two ahead of him at this point. Yeah, it's Matt Olson having a career year as far as runs. His previous high was 39 with Oakland in 2021, and obviously he's way past that at 43 now. 107 RBIs also leads all of baseball, and his 621 slugging um, leads the National League. And so, I mean, he's up there, 275 total bases, leads the National League. Uh, It's a legitimate conversation right now as far as who is your top three, top four in the MVP race? Matt Olson is now in that conversation, and he's done so much damage since he got moved to the four spot in the order. That's kind of the big thing that that sets his season apart. That's the milestone is once he goes to the four spot, he's been so much better than he was batting second or batting fifth. He's got a 22 of his home runs are in the 43 games he batted fourth, like almost every other game. And he's been hot as of late. That's the that's the best part, because a lot of people always worry about the all-star break. Number one, going into it, will it diminish a guy? Will he come out of it slow? He has not come out slow at all. Uh, multiple home you know home run games, as well as uh, what they did. Of course, everybody was hitting the ball when they put up 20-plus runs uh, the other night and a few touchdowns. So uh, it, that it, it, And it was, it was fun to watch. And it, actually, the Braves tied a record as fastest team to the, their, their home run total uh, since the Rocky, or since uh, 
uh, I, I sent the, the stat in Discord. Twins. And, uh, pardon me? Since, since the uh, Twins. Yeah, since the Twins did it. And uh, and they needed, they as bad as it sounded, they needed that 21 runs in order to do it. So I did think that that was uh, something else. We did see him hobbling a little bit. I, by the way, Sunday Night Baseball, do some better homework. Ozzy does run balls out. The fact that y'all threw him under the bus, uh, Eduardo Perez, please stop with that. Uh, if there's anybody that's not going to be the guy seen loafing, it's going to be Ozzy. He scored first to third on a ground ball to second. I mean, or yeah. first to home on a ground ball to second. So stop with the he doesn't hustle. May have tweaked to Hammy a little bit. Any word on what we've heard day to day? Precautionary that they pulled him? What, what was that? They've been talking about for now, he's not on the IL. He's not going to go on the IL. This is something where they're thinking it'll be a day-to-day thing from everything that we're hearing as of Monday afternoon. Obviously, like you said, uh, precautionary thing, not in the game. First time this this season that he's not in a game. Nicky Lopez started at second base. But that could also just be a convenient excuse to get him a day off. (laughs) Just like the doubleheader was a convenient excuse to give Orlando Arcia a day off and let Nicky Lopez start. And look at what Nicky Lopez did in that one game. He has six RBIs. He throws a shutout inning. He's one of four players this year to both throw a shutout inning and hit a home run in the same game. So, I mean, maybe this is just, maybe we find out if you give Nicky Lopez an infield start, maybe Atlanta scores 21 runs. You predicted it. You said <laughs> this guy is going to be a great addition. I will say, I mean, what is going through Grissom's head? Of course, it, the deal is, is options with him. But to have a guy like Lopez come in here to light it up as well as play well defensively, somebody like a Grissom's got to be down there, you know, in Gwinnett going, oh, man, this guy's totally taking my job. Like, he, he's the next one up if somebody gets hurt. There, There's not much else that Von Grissom could have done in AAA, at least from an offensive perspective like to uh to make it back to the bigs he's batting 417 in the month of august uh but when you look at some of what he's done like defensively um 969 fielding percentage as a shortstop and Mm. so there's obviously some sort of of it's not clicking yet for him and that's why they had to go out they re-signed charlie culberson and then they go and they trade for nikki Mm. lopez I don't know if the future for Von Grissom is going to be at shortstop. And I think the fact they went out and they got Nicky Lopez says the Braves don't necessarily think it is either. The question is going to be, does he stay in the infield to do something like play second on those situations where Ozzy's out? Because at second base for Gwinnett, 991 fielding percentage, one error. That's it. Mm. Or is it something where in the offseason they look to save some money, maybe move on from Eddie Rosario and put Von Grissom in left field? We'll see what happens. Uh, moving forward, I uh, got Yankee series, and then it's going to be the Giants, then the Mets again, then the Giants again. Always tough Colorado team that always plays uh, Atlanta tough and going to be on the road there in Colorado and then got to go to L.A. We talked about how easy June was. Man, August is a killer all the way into the first part of September for this Braves team. And I know people are going to say, well, the Mets are bad. Well, yeah, but you're seeing the Mets for the second time in right. a week and a half. I don't – and we've talked about this on air and off air before, I don't know why MLB insists on you playing a team twice in the span of a week and a half. The next two weekends are Braves versus Giants. Just half of them are in uh, San Francisco and half of them are in Atlanta. And I don't understand why that's such a big deal, but it makes it tougher on the pitchers because if you think about, okay, you start against the Mets and let's say Alan Winans goes and he gives up three hits. 
Well, now a week later, those same hitters see him again. And it's like facing those hitters a fourth and a fifth and a sixth time. Correct. And so it's so much harder on your hitters. I'm sorry, on your pitchers when you face a team this quickly. Now, conversely, Atlanta gets a chance to see those pitchers again. And we saw what Atlanta did against New York. (laughs) But it doesn't help you build confidence in the back end of your rotation options and or a guy like Max Freed, who's just coming back from injury when you face a team twice like that. So uh, it's the Giants are in the race for the wild card. The Mets are the Mets. The Rockies are not good, but you're in Colorado, which is never good. And then obviously the Dodgers, who are always tough. They have the second biggest divisional lead in baseball right now. And so it's a tough stretch here. And you need Philadelphia to, to probably lose some games. You need to win at least your fair share of these games so that you are, you know, not having to think about, well, we play Philly what seven times in the month of september we don't want those games to actually mean anything we don't want those games to be deciding the division we want those games to be just us positioning and staying in shape for the postseason dog days of summer continue he is lindsey crosby i'm ben taylor braves today bravestoday.coms where you can find all the written content as well as go to braves underscore today on the twitter and hit us up lindsey as always i appreciate it sir thanks for having me that is the Braves Today podcast. Ben Taylor and Lindsey Crosby talking about the Atlanta Braves. They got to get this pitching thing figured out. And if they do, they've got a great chance. Uh, not They're already one of the best teams, if not the best team in all of Major League Baseball. But as the postseason approaches, they've got a great chance to make a run. I want to talk a little baseball with you when we come back. Then we'll talk some college football looking at the new AP Top 25 as the season is less than three weeks away. Stay tuned. The Tuesday edition of On the Line continues after this. are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back inside the studio here at ESPN 1067. Again, big thanks to the Braves Today guys, Ben Taylor, Lindsey Crosby. Go check them out, bravestoday.com. They have their podcast, written work, anything you could ever want uh, about the Atlanta Braves. Go check them out at bravestoday.com. I do want to talk baseball. I know I got a few minutes, but uh, we've got that new, uh, if you were just listening over that commercial break, we have that new new, uh, promo running about Auburn being Auburn. And man, I, I just can't, I can't sit here and listen to it and not talk about it for a second because it's such a good promo and look we are we're so excited here at Auburn Network to be uh, to be the local flagship stations once again for the Auburn Sports Network and a reminder on that that over uh, all season long starting uh, with Tiger Talk coming up literally next week uh, Auburn Network uh, is now like I mentioned the uh, official flagship stations of the Auburn Sports Network for the next five years okay and uh, beginning with the upcoming Auburn University football season Auburn football men's basketball and the weekly Tiger Talk show starting next Thursday will be over on Wings 94.3 our classic rock station uh, with women's basketball and baseball now being on AU 100 which is 100.3 um 
We are uh, super, super excited to have the Auburn Tigers playing on our stations. Uh, If you are excited uh, about it like we are and your business would like to advertise during the games, all you need to do is send an email to info at aunetwork.com and we'll get in touch with you. That's info at aunetwork.com if you're interested in advertising during uh, the games this year. And so, again, just really, really excited for that. And I know I'm running out of time, so I may have to talk about baseball later. But uh, the call with Rod Bramlett in there. I mean, it's just so it gets you fired up, right? It gets you ready and rest in rest in peace for him and, and his such a kind soul with him and, and his wife. And um, it's just it's so it's just so loving, right? It's so Auburn for for that to be to be running and for for the season to be here. And this past Saturday, we were in Birmingham uh, for the Alabama Broadcasters Association Conference, and um, they had their Hall of Fame lunch on Saturday. And uh, Rod Bramlett was inducted into the 2023 Alabama Broadcasters Association Hall of Fame, and and, and he more than deserved it. There's no doubt about it. He uh, was an incredible voice for this team, for this school, and um, we miss him dearly, and Andy has done a fantastic job and had a great speech on Saturday as well. So I don't know. I felt the urge to talk about that for just a minute. So we're going to talk some college football when we come back because the preseason top 25 has been released for the AP poll, and I don't know if I agree with it. Plus, we'll talk about the teams that Auburn has to play on it and how long it could be before we see Auburn inside the top 25 phone lines are open i want to hear from you 334-321-1390 we'll talk college football when we come back Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We're halfway through hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067. Reminder coming up in hour number two, one hour from now, uh, Daryl Daprich will join us on the phone lines as he does every single Tuesday. It's it, We've had a couple of weeks where we didn't do it. I was on vacation. He had something come up, but we are back on schedule now. And so uh, that'll be an hour from now at 3.30. Daryl Daprich will join me on the phone lines we've got a lot to talk about when it comes to Auburn football basketball uh, Auburn athletics in general so looking forward to that be sure you are tuned in for that conversation but I want to take a look at this preseason AP poll top 25 and for the first time in the college football playoff era the Georgia Bulldogs are the number one team in the country and want to look at this and break it down a little bit look at the teams Auburn has to play look at the teams that are going to fall and rise the most by year's end and then I want to have this conversation of how long it would be and how long it will be in the year 2023 until Auburn gets back into the top 25 and how long can they stay there so interesting conversations around all of this and I want to hear from you and what you have to think about this preseason poll about Auburn they'd receive some votes they're not in the top 25 we're not surprised by that but 
I want to hear from you. Who do you think is going to rise the most this season? Who do you think is going to fall the most this season? And then where at in this Auburn football schedule do you think the Tigers could be in the top 25? Any of that you want to talk about, I want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. We'll work our way through the top 25. Georgia, as I mentioned, uh, the top team in the land. Uh, They are number one, and it's almost consensus. It's not quite, but uh, pretty darn close. Georgia at one, Michigan at two Ohio State at three Alabama at four LSU five we'll go through the top 10 and then talk about it USC at six Penn State at seven Florida State at number eight Clemson at nine and Washington at 10 so you've got uh, three SEC squads in there you have two three Big Ten squads in there Uh, you've got how about this one two Pac-12 teams in there and then you've got a couple of ACC schools in there as well so a pretty good a pretty good divide in the top 10 really when you look at it um there's there's no doubt that Georgia's the top team coming into 2023 I mean they're coming off back-to-back national championships and all they've done is reload since and uh, I don't think there's any argument there uh Michigan Ohio State they're going to be two of the best teams in the country Alabama are they a top four team I don't think so But, I mean, you can make the argument top five. That's fine. Uh, Top ten for sure. But there's some question marks going on in Tuscaloosa. So, interesting to look at this. I want to break it down some more. But I do want to get to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. You're on the line. Who am I speaking with? Uh, Hey, uh, this is Ed. How you doing? Hey, Ed. I'm doing fantastic, man. What's on your mind? Uh, Hey, I I was just going to say, yeah, as far as the – on the polls, what you were just talking and asking about, you, you know, if Auburn, everybody, I think most of us expect or hope that they'll be three zero, you know, when they play A and M, and if they beat A and M, I think they'll be in the top twenty five. If they don't, you know, it's going to be mighty hard to win that next game against Georgia. Yeah, but but you know. I, I'm still optimistic, and I think we could beat A and M. And if we do, I think we'll be in the you know top twenty five. Mm-hmm. You know the next week after. Yeah, that. yeah, I, I'm with you, Ed. I think the I think it should be the expectation that Auburn is three and zero before making that trip to to Aggieland, beating UMass uh-huh. and Sanford at home. And yes, even going across the country and beating Cal, they're not that great of a team. They do return a lot on that squad, but it's still Cal. The toughest part of that is the trip out there, right? Um, I think yeah. the expectation, yeah, should absolutely be three and zero before you go to Texas A and M. And we're going to learn a lot early on about this Auburn team and what the season not necessarily what the season could look like the entire time because that's a tall task in your first big game of the year. Um, But yeah, I'm with you. I think if Auburn were to win that game against Texas A&M, you would be a top 25 team when Georgia comes to town. Now, let's look on the opposite side like you mentioned. Let's say Auburn loses that game against Texas A&M. You're probably not going to win that game against Georgia. You're probably not going to win that game against LSU. Not saying you can't by any means, but if you lose the game to A&M, you know, common sense would say you, you're more than likely to lose against Georgia and LSU. You're 3-3 three and three at that point. Then you're having to rattle off wins against Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, and New Mexico State. 
before you play Alabama. So if Auburn doesn't beat Texas A&M, it may be a while before they see the top 25. Yeah, yeah, and and, and I think you're like I I think most Auburn fans were all right with that. You you know, it's going to be it's not going to be, you know, it's going to be a rough year and but they're doing it's just so hard to find anything wrong with what in my opinion the recruiting is going great. Mm-hmm. Uh, he freezes is handling things with a quiet demeanor. You know, I just it's it's just pleasant, you know, to see things. And I'm gonna tell you, it's just the guys I've ride through there once in a while, and everybody seems happy. Yeah, you know, in good shape. You know, you know, it's just I expect a real good and. I don't bet, but I told you this. I think, but if I did, I, I would take Auburn for you know over for seven wins at least mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, you know, and it seems like seems like the line has been right around six, six and a half. I haven't looked at it recently. I'll be honest with you, Ed, but um, yeah. it seems like that's where it's been hovering. And I would too. I absolutely yeah. would. I, I would. I think Auburn can win more than than six or even seven games. I, I've told you. I think eight and four is what I'm shooting for. Yeah. If I, if I'm just giving you my predictions and what I would like to see, and and, and I, that, that that's what I predicted too. I, I think eight wins. Or uh, uh, one other thing. And yeah. I'm not going to hold you up, but uh, with NCAA and, and uh, Michigan and all this, I think maybe not today, but you know, soon you, just. To, They've become kind of like a joke, haven't they? Uh, I mean, I, I think mean, so. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it's just, uh, and I, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to keep you. I've, I've taken up too much time today, but I, I'll call you back about about something on that. It just kind of bothers me. That, yeah, there used to be a time, you know, that when a, when a certain program had a lot of different problems in all their sports that the NCAA was going to be there, you know, and mm-hmm. that just isn't the case. Yeah. But anyway, guys, War Eagle, and uh, thanks for taking my call, buddy. Yeah, appreciate the call, Ed. Always great to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Uh, I would love to have that conversation with you uh, next time you call in talking about the NCAA because I actually was told uh, an interesting. I was given an interesting perspective on why the NCAA may be hanging around and why it may not be as easy as I've said it would be for the major conferences to to flip the bird to the NCAA and tell them to 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 go hang out by themselves and and move on from them. And so I want to bring that up the next time that you call in, Ed, because it's always an interesting conversation. And, and thanks for the call. Appreciate you uh, reaching out and, and talking. But uh, looking at this top 25, and again, the conversation about where could we see Auburn enter the top 25 this season. Uh, I want to get to that, but let me finish giving you the top 25 real quick in case you have not seen it um, and give you some thoughts on the teams there, and we'll continue the conversation about Auburn as well. So starting at 11, Texas at 11, Tennessee 12, 13 is Notre Dame, 14 is Utah, 15 Oregon, okay, 16 Kansas State, 17 TCU, 18 Oregon State. I've talked a lot about the Beavers. I like them this season. Watch out for them out west in what may be the final year uh, of that Pac-12 conference. 19, Wisconsin. 20 is Oklahoma. A lot of people are starting to 
get hyped up on Oklahoma here late. Um, it seems like it's been Texas and everybody else in the Big 12 in this final year that those two squads are over there. But I've been seeing uh, a lot of, I guess, momentum and positive talk about Oklahoma this year. Uh, so interested to see uh, if anybody here has an opinion about that. 21 is North Carolina, 22 Ole Miss, 23 Texas A&M, number 24 Tulane, and number 25 Iowa. Um, Auburn received seven votes uh, to get into uh, the top 25 and to kind of give you a perspective on that. Iowa received um uh, let's see, it was, or maybe that's the total points. I don't 100% know how this graphic is is put together. But Auburn received seven, and Iowa had 131. They rank it off of points, and so just keep that in mind. So Auburn wasn't really close to getting in. There's about 15 teams above them uh, that had a higher uh, consideration to get into the top 25. Uh, I've talked about a lot of the teams at the top. I think Alabama, we know they have questions. LSU, I think, is really, really good. It's their SEC West to lose in my opinion. Uh, Penn State out of the Big Ten being a top 10 team, I'm not sold on them yet and here's the reason. I know they've got a good quarterback there this year. They're really really excited about him and look Penn State's had good quarterbacks for years but they haven't done anything. They haven't broken through. Not saying they can't but I haven't seen it and I don't know if they're going to be able to do it in the current format of the Big Ten because Ohio State and Michigan are better than Penn State. They just are. They always will be. They will always be better than Penn State. And so in the current format of the Big Ten, which we know it's about to change drastically coming up in 2024, I just don't think Penn State can break through. Doesn't mean they're not a top 10 team. I don't think they're a playoff team in a four-team format plus playing out of the Big Ten. I don't think they can do it. So um, I just think there's better teams in that conference than them. You look down through the rest of this top 25, and we'll take an early break so I can talk about Auburn when we come back. Uh, Texas is there. Again, I think it's their Big 12 to lose. Um, they have a great opportunity to win it on their way out and say, good luck, Big 12. Your, big, your champion is heading to another conference. I think that's a big power statement uh, for the Longhorns. If they can finally get quote back right can texas get back finally i don't know we're gonna find out uh, they've got the talent to do it so uh, we shall see on that a couple of big pac 12 schools on here again and what will be uh what is probably the final year of the the whole of that conference you have southern cow at number six washington at 10 utah at 14 oregon at 15 oregon state at 18 i mean that's a lot of pac 12 schools in an early top 25 and I think that conference is going to be really, really good. Um, if I were to quickly give you my conference breakdown, ranking one through five, from top to bottom, I'm talking the best conference as a whole. Doesn't mean you have the best team in the land. We know that's going to be more than likely Georgia. Um, but I'm talking about best conference in college football, top to bottom as a whole. I think the Pac-12 is going to be it, folks. I think the Pac-12 is going to be a really, really good conference. Now, are they going to beat each other up and eat each other alive? Probably, because that's what they do every year. But I'll say the Pac-12 at one. I will say... Ooh, I'll say... Oh, oh man, there's, this is really, really tough, and I'm just kind of doing this on, on, on the fly. But, you know, I'll say Pac-12 one. I'll say SEC two. Big 10-3, Big 12-4, four, 
and ACC 5. I think the ACC is still not a great conference. I think Florida State and Clemson and North Carolina and everybody else. Uh, I think the Big Ten is, is going to have some good teams. I mean, you see Iowa, Wisconsin on here. You see uh, you see uh, Ohio State and Michigan. So they're going to need some teams. Penn State. So need some teams to step up. But I think that would be my conference rankings for 2023. As of right now, a lot could change as the season um, gets going. And we'll see how that shapes up. But that would probably be how I'd rank the conferences so far. So some interesting notes here in this top 25. Auburn will play five of these preseason top 25 teams this season. Uh, They will play Texas A&M, Ole Miss, working our way from the bottom to the top. Texas A&M, Ole Miss, they will play LSU, Alabama, and Georgia. Three of those are in the top 10, top five. So there you go again. Auburn, in what seems to be one of the easier schedules Auburn has had in a while, right? Seems like one of the easier schedules Auburn has had in a while. It's still really difficult, and that's sort of where Ed and I were getting to in that phone call. That's where we'll get to when we come back as we wrap up hour number one, talking Auburn football in 2023. Where could they get into the top 25, and where could it really go wrong for the Tigers this upcoming season? We'll wrap up hour number one when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Got a few more minutes here in hour number one before we get to the top of the hour and uh, talking Auburn football and comparing it uh, and really looking at the top 25 and making some, uh, it's the thunder rolling outside, it's, holy smokes, it is windy as everything outside right now, uh, rain coming down a little bit here uh, at the Auburn Network studio, so if you're out and about, be careful, um, but looking at the top 25 and coming up with the conversation of when could we see Auburn in 2023 get into that top 25? Or, I mean, I think a legitimate question, will we see Auburn get into the top 25? And you may say, what? Auburn will be in the top 25. Jacob, that's a, that's a dumb question. I don't know if it is. Because look at the schedule. The schedule does not stack up well for Auburn to put together, string together a ton of wins early on, right? You have UMass, Cal, and Sanford. And as I told Ed, and as I think a lot of us would agree, the expectation is for Auburn to go 3-0 in that game. But if they don't, if Auburn goes 2-1, if they lose that game at Cal, which I think is possible, then you're in some trouble in regards to trying to get into the top 25 conversation. But let's say for sake of argument that Auburn goes 3-0, okay? Then you have to go on the road to Texas A&M. That's a tough ask. That's a tall task for Auburn to go and win that football game. Okay, I know Auburn has gone and won this game in the past. Auburn has a better record against A&M on the road than they do inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. But it's still a tough game. Luckily, Auburn is going to have a road game under their belt, so they won't have to make this the first road game. But this is an SEC road game. This isn't Cal, okay? This isn't the leftovers of a crumbling Pac-12 conference. This is Texas A&M, who has more talent, numbers-wise, than you, star rankings than you, right? They have a lot more than you do right now. Will they put it together? Who knows? But they're supposed to be a better team than you. So let's say 
that Auburn loses that game. Okay, you're 3-1. and one. And as I told Ed, you can go ahead, if you lose against Texas A&M, for sake of argument and for ease of conversation, you can say you lose against Georgia at home, and you can say that you lose on the road at LSU. I would like to see Auburn win one of those three games, and I think they can. But again, just for this conversation, let's say that they lose those games. Now you're 3-3 three and three when Ole Miss and Mississippi State come to town in back-to-back weeks. At 3-3, three and three, you're not going to be ranked. You're not going to be ranked as a 3-0 and o team after beating Cal. And then you're going to rattle off three straight losses if this were to happen. You're not going to be top 25 after beating Ole Miss at 4-3. and three. You won't be top 25 after beating Mississippi State at 5-3. and three. I don't even think, after going on the road and beating Vanderbilt, being 6-3, and three, that you would be a top 25 team. Depending on what happens around college football, maybe. Maybe. But if, if there's a lot of other good teams in this country then you might not be. I think where you could see Auburn get into the top 25 for the first time this season is when they go on the road to Fayetteville and they win this football game. If they were to do that, then you're 7-3, and and now you're talking. Now you're talking, right? Because you'd have wins over UMass, Cal, Sanford, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, and Arkansas with four in a row after losing three in a row, respectfully. So then you're 7-3, and three, and you're feeling pretty good. Then you beat New Mexico State, you're 8-3. and three. When Alabama comes to town, yeah, you're a top 25 team at that point. If you want me to give you my prediction on when Auburn will be a top 25 team, I think Auburn's a top 25 team when Georgia rolls into Jordan-Hare Stadium. Because I think Auburn wins that game at Texas A&M. Yes, I'm being optimistic. In the first three games, I may change my mind. But as of right now, yeah, Auburn wins that game at Texas A&M. And you know what? It'll be a top 25 showdown when Georgia comes to town on September 30th. Is that realistic? I don't know. But I'm here to tell you what I think. And that's what I think. Hour number two coming up. We'll talk Auburn football recruiting a little bit as we haven't had a chance to do that a whole lot this week. We'll talk about who we've gotten, who's next, and then Daryl Dapperts joins us as the rain comes down sideways here in Auburn. Stay tuned. Hour number two of the Tuesday edition of On the Line coming up. ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. 
You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday. Uh, it was a hectic commercial break, to say the least. We uh, had a power surge here, power outage, power flicker, however you want to say that. Uh, big thunder, big lightning. Uh, it was a, it's a nasty scene over here at the Auburn Network Studios right now. Uh, literally during the break, everything at the station went off. Computers, lights, radios, I mean Wi-Fi, TVs, everything went out uh, over over that commercial break. But uh, we are back up, back and running. Everything's good to go. So uh, hopefully you're all doing well. And we are on the air. If, you, uh, if anything goes wrong on your end, let me know. But we should be back up, should be back uh, on the air. And um, hopefully that doesn't happen again because that's just never fun to uh, have to deal with but hopefully you're all doing well staying dry staying safe on this Tuesday afternoon with all of the storms that just rolled on in uh, right before the show today and the bottom fell out pretty much right before the first hour went off so yeah kind of crazy around here but it's all good we're fine everything's good everything's back so Again, uh, here in hour number two, uh, if you missed any of the first hour, uh, be sure to uh, go and catch up with the podcast one of two ways, ESPNAU.com, right after the show today, or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. I'll upload it commercial-free for you right after the show today, so if you missed any of it uh, from the first hour, if you miss anything here in the second hour, you can go and catch up at ESPNAU.com. Uh Let's see, that first hour we had some Braves Today audio from Ben Taylor, Lindsey Crosby, talking about the pitching woes uh, for the Atlanta Braves and how uh, they got to get that figured out before the season, uh, before the postseason gets here, if you will. Because, uh, look, the Braves, the Braves can hit it better than anybody, but you can't score 8 to 10 runs every single game. So uh, they talked a lot about that, did Ben and Lindsey Crosby, so we appreciate them. Check out all their work at bravestoday.com. Uh, they have the podcast and their written work there as well, so be sure to go and check that out. So we played that in the first hour and then had some really good conversations about the uh, preseason top 25. Uh, and looking at that top 25, uh, the fact that Auburn will play five of the teams in a preseason top 25, three of them being in the top five with Georgia, Alabama, and LSU. And that's not news to anybody listening to this program. If you're an Auburn fan, you're you just know. I mean, that's just that's the expectation every single year. But some of you may be excited because that's going to change because of the schedule changes and the and the addition of Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, that's going to change a little bit. And Auburn's not going to play the toughest the toughest schedule in college football every single year I'm excited about it I know there's some people that are upset uh, with losing a game like LSU every single year don't worry you're still going to see them pretty often just not every single year and the argument that I've made is I'm okay with that man I'm okay if Auburn doesn't play the toughest schedule in college football every single season so uh, we looked at that top 25, looked at those teams, also had a, a really good conversation, a unique conversation about when could we see Auburn get into the top 25 in 2023? How long into the season will it take 
I gave you my answer. I also gave you some different options on when it could be. So that was a lot of fun. So if you missed any of that from the first hour, again, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast later on today, tonight, or tomorrow, whenever you'd like, ESPN au.com but here's what's coming up in this second hour we're going to talk some uh, auburn football recruiting look at uh, who could be next for auburn who they're looking for uh, in 2024 and beyond and then coming up at 3 30 daryl daprich joins us on the phone lines uh he you can't even give his affiliations anymore because the guy's all over the place. He, he's making appearances every day, every hour, it seems like, talking Auburn athletics. He's one of the best to do it. So he will join us as he does every single Tuesday here on the show. Uh, so excited to have Daryl join us on the phone lines once again. But until then, phone lines are open. Um, if you're calling in and you can't get to us, our phones may be kind of rebooting after the power outage. So uh, if you call in and it doesn't work, give us a call back, maybe give it a few minutes and then try it again but that phone number is 334-321-1390 again that number is 334-321-1390 I would love to hear from you love to hear your thoughts on maybe the top 25 and when Auburn could get into that if you want to continue that conversation would love to hear from you on that Uh, if you want to talk recruiting and where we could be going next for Auburn uh, who they've added already we've talked a little bit about uh, TJ Lindsay yesterday the addition over the weekend for Auburn football so uh, we could talk about that and of course where this thing is going so give me a call we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 well I think it's important to to look at who's next for Auburn we've talked a lot about and I had a phone call about this yesterday and wasn't able to get to it as much as I wanted to so definitely wanted to have a segment on it today you look at who's next for Auburn this 2024 class you have 16 total commits right 14 of those are four and five star players which means those are your blue chip ratio players which you have to have over 50 percent to win a national championship that's not a requirement it's a fact it's a stat no team has ever won the national championship in college football without having more than 50 percent blue chip ratio players on their roster so keep that in mind okay keep that in mind and when you look at this 2024 class 14 of the 16 are those blue chip ratio players according to the 247 sports composite rankings uh, or the team rankings Auburn is up to 14th in the country in their recruiting class Uh, you think about where this class was um a while back and I know 2024 there was little to no work being done uh, from the previous staff I mean they couldn't even recruit the current class and nevertheless a future class and so uh, this was I think 2024 it wasn't fully Hugh Freeze's first year of recruiting that'll be 2025 of his first full year of recruiting high school kids but 2024 is pretty close okay it's pretty close and so He's already done fantastic work. I mean, he's done a really, really good job of of getting this class, reviving this class, if you will, to get it up to number 14 in the country. And really, you could say they are halfway done, maybe. I mean, uh, they're going to add more. And there's some big names on this list that... Auburn's going after and and keep this in mind too 
just because somebody is committed in 2024, committed elsewhere, doesn't mean Hugh Freeze and this staff are going to stop recruiting them. And it doesn't mean that they can't get them to flip. Because we know that Hugh Freeze and this staff, they are not scared of other programs. They're not worried about other programs. And they could really care less if you're committed there or not. They'll respect it, I'm sure. But if you still answer the phone when they call and you don't tell them to stop, they won't stop until signing day and pen hits the paper. And that's what it takes to be successful in the SEC. And so I'm not predicting any flip. I don't know if there will be or not. We got to get Christian Clemente in here soon and get caught up on all of this. But keep an eye out and keep an ear open this fall when Auburn brings guys on campus and Auburn has official visitors and unofficial visitors throughout the fall for football games. I mean, there's a chance some of these guys that Auburn has missed out on that you could still flip them and add them to this 2024 class. But outside of that, there's a few names that I want to go over. There's a few names that I want to go over that I think Auburn could or will land, but they're no doubt going after. And I was just talking about guys that are committed elsewhere that Auburn is still going to go after until they put the pen to paper. And the first name that's got to come to mind, and I'm sure it came to your mind as I said it, it's Cam Coleman, who is committed to Texas A&M. Cam Coleman, the wide receiver, is a really, really good player. He's a five-star out of Central Phoenix City. We know the lack of success Auburn has had getting kids to come from Phoenix City here, which is unbelievable because it's right up the road, right? It's right up the road here from Auburn. And it seems like there's an underground pipeline from the locker room of Central Phoenix City of the Red Devils to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Seems like it. But this time, he went to Texas A&M. And you can give and, and, and talk about any reason that you want to. I know a lot of people have brought up the money aspect, the NIL, and that played a factor. There's no doubt about it. It played a factor. But at the end of the day, he committed to Texas A&M. Auburn felt good about it. I think Auburn felt really good about it. And then he really kind of surprised everybody on the 4th of July when he decided that he was going to take his talents to Texas A&M. Has that stopped Auburn? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. They are going to do everything in their power, as they will with a lot of other players, as I just talked about, to get him back on campus. Because until you sign, and I've given you my thoughts on this, you know, a lot of people bring up this conversation of, well, if he's committed... If a player is committed to one school, should he be allowed to visit other schools until he signs? And I'm interested to hear what you have to say about that. 334-321-1390. I think you should. I think you should be able to. Do I necessarily agree? that? It, do I necessarily like the look that it, that it gives when, let's say, you're committed to Texas A&M, but you go and visit Auburn or visit Alabama? No. Not necessarily, but I think that as an 18-year-old, 17-year-old high school kid, I think you should have that right. 
Because what do I always bring up? It's their future. It's their future. And they should have every opportunity to make the best decision for them. And taking as many visits as possible, getting all of the information, and making an educated decision is part of being a high school athlete. And so just because you verbally committed, I agree you should respect that. And I agree that you probably shouldn't be out visiting four or five other schools when you verbally committed somewhere. But everybody knows that these players, especially somebody like Cam Coleman, had a top two and three. And so, yes, you've committed to Texas A&M, but if I'm, the, if I'm Texas A&M and he says, hey, I'm going to go visit Auburn, I'm still committed to you, don't worry. Well, I'm going to worry. <laughs> I'm going to worry still, right? But you have to respect that. I think you should respect that. Now, like I said, if you're going off trying to visit four or five other schools, then we've got a problem. But at the end of the day, it's their decision, not yours. As the school, it is not your decision on what he does with his future. And that's what Auburn's banking on this fall with Cam Coleman. They're banking on getting him back on campus, letting Marcus Davis get him on campus and see this receiver room. And you know what would help? A good performance by the receivers this fall. That would help tremendously. If you have a receiver room that has already taken steps to get better this fall in fall camp, I'm talking about on the field in a game, in games this season. A big year for the wide receivers. If one or two guys can really elevate themselves and become those dudes, that would go a long way for a guy like Cam Coleman to consider coming back for a visit and possibly decide to flip his commitment from Texas A&M to Auburn. So keep that name in mind. Auburn's not done. They're not out of it when it comes to Cam Coleman, the wide receiver who's committed to Texas A&M. I look at a defensive back, Zaquan Patterson, because you lost out on K.J. Bolden, right? I look at Zaquan Patterson as one of Auburn's top targets remaining, really. I mean, I think he's one of those guys that he's a difference maker, he's a class changer, and his commitment's coming up in about a week. I think it's, oh, I want to say the 23rd? 22nd, 23rd, somewhere in there um, that he's committing. So in the next couple guys I'm going to talk about are all right here. They're all planning to commit in these next few days, the next week or so, coming up this weekend and early next week. So it's really important. This is crunch time. It's not just crunch time at practice. It's crunch time in recruiting too, and that's what makes the job so difficult for somebody like Hugh Freeze. But uh, I think that Zaquan Patterson uh, is one of those difference makers at the defensive back spot, um, you've got big, big names here, folks. You've got Florida State, Miami, the hometown, Miami. How about Ohio State are in for this guy? It's, it's just Michigan is there, too. Like Some of the biggest names in the country, biggest programs are in for Zaquan Patterson, but I think Auburn's right there, and, and I would be interested to get Christian's thoughts on this, and maybe we can get him in here uh, before – before some of these guys commit um then you look at two guys up front and everybody knows these names and everybody has been waiting on these names to drop and make their decisions on the offensive line deandre carter and the defensive line camarion franklin these two auburn has been pressing for so so hard all right deandre carter 
We know where he's from. He's from Matterday, California. We know he's been on his official visit, but we also know that he used his own money, his own time, to come and be at Big Cat Weekend. Right? He was here, and he did that on his own, on his own dollar, his own time, his own clock. Auburn didn't pay for that. And he chose to fly out across the country and be here for that. I think Auburn feels really, really good for the number one interior offensive lineman in all of college, in all of high school football, excuse me. Could you imagine? Could you imagine Auburn signing the number one in any sort of form on the offensive line? It'd be unbelievable. I think he uh I think he's planned to commit August 19th or 20th. Well, I don't think he's truly decided on that yet, but it's August 15th right now. So another guy that's coming up on his commitment. I think August 19th, 20th, uh, maybe maybe an early day September, but I mean, it's coming up regardless. It, it's coming up for DeAndre Carter, the offensive lineman. And then I mentioned Camarion Franklin, the defensive lineman, five-star defensive tackle, who will commit on August 19th. There's a lot of big schools here. Florida State, Tennessee, Miami, Ole Miss, and of course Auburn. Everybody's in, I think. As far as I can tell, everybody's in. And Auburn has really made up some ground, especially since he came back. After his official visit, he came back to Big Cat Weekend. And I think Auburn, again, feels really, really good here. So think about those names. Camarion Franklin, DeAndre Carter, Cam Coleman. I mean, imagine if Auburn could make those happen on top of what they've already done with Perry Thompson, with Demarcus Riddick. Sure, you missed out on K.J. Bolden, but that happens. And look, is it a too high of expectation for Auburn to say, yeah, we want all three of those guys that I just named? Maybe. But at least you as the fan right now has the confidence that Auburn can pull those guys. You didn't have that last year. You didn't have that two years ago. You didn't have that five years ago. But you do now. And that's the story here. That's the biggest storyline in college football. The fact that faith has been restored. And again, I will never, ever leave this part out. It comes down to wins on the field. I get that. I understand that. And so does Hugh Freeze. But the fact that we are talking about the biggest and the best five-star players in high school football with Auburn being in the top five, top three, top two, and having legitimate chances to land them on top of the other five stars they've already landed. It's an unbelievable story. And I will never quit singing it here on this show. I'll never stop because I went through a season on this program and on this station in this world that I'm in, in Sports Talk Radio. I went through a season that was borderline, you know what? It was horrible. And I'm so excited for the season to start. I'm so ready for Auburn to continue winning these recruiting battles. I'm so ready for Auburn to get on the football field and show us some progress, show us what they've done, beat somebody you're not supposed to. I hope you hear the excitement of my voice because I am. 
I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about and cover a team and a program that is on the rise and trying to get back to where it belongs. And that's a top-tier college football program. 334-321-1390. I want to hear from you. What are your thoughts on recruiting as the 2023 season approaches with some big names left in 2024 and beyond. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We'll continue with the Tuesday edition of On the Line after this. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Got a few more minutes here before we take a break and get to Daryl Dapperge on the phone lines. Went a little long in that first segment, so I do apologize. But I got a few minutes as the thunder continues to roll outside. Lightning continues to light up the studio, and uh, we haven't lost power again, so knock on wood uh, for that. But a couple of minutes here, and I do want to talk a little basketball really, really quick. Uh, Auburn basketball, uh, they uh, get a Juco big man, a Darren Scott. He is officially signed. He is with Auburn. Uh, Darren Scott is... Uh, again, a Juco uh, power forward center, uh, probably more of a forward than anything. Um, but he's six foot nine, 225 pounds, so that's a good sign. I uh, got some heights down low, does Auburn now. And uh, he played at Navarro College uh, over in Texas. And uh, he was a sophomore. And so uh, he played, uh, had 28 starts, appeared in 31 total games. And here are his numbers for, for that sophomore, sophomore stretch. Had 9.3 points, uh, seven, almost seven rebounds per game. Uh, and he shot 53% from the field and had double figure, uh, let's see, he had, uh, had double figure points in 15 contests, including a season high 17 points uh, versus uh a community college and that all those stats in that paragraph were from our good buddy lance Dahl over at auburn daily so be sure you go and check out the full article and and appreciate uh, him uh, putting out those stats that i was able to use but uh excited for that because auburn auburn needed it they needed some help down low uh that's their uh they needed another juco player and and i guess didn't necessarily need a juco guy but uh you went and picked up your second one uh, of this class and just adding depth, adding height down low. Again, six foot nine, two twenty-five. Throw on a little weight there, and and you're really going good if you're Auburn. And I've talked about the talent on this basketball team. It's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun. You think I'm excited for football season? Oh man, I'm excited for basketball season. The talent on this team. It's now. It is now. It's the time for Auburn basketball with the talent that's on this squad. I think. It's the most talented one Bruce Pearl has ever had. We'll talk with Daryl Dapridge coming up after this. He appears on Locked on Auburn and uh, I think every radio show in the state, if I'm not mistaken. I'm just kidding. But he is everywhere because he's good at what he does and he breaks it down better than anybody. He'll join us when we come back. Daryl Dapridge, don't turn that radio dial. And when we come back, he'll be joining us here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. With Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader.
We've got 30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that show, tells you like it is and holds nothing back. And I am glad to be joined once again by Daryl Daprich, as Ben Taylor calls him, Double D. It's not Monday, but it is Tuesday here on ESPN 106.7. Daryl, it's always good to hear from you, man. How are you? Man, it's great to hear from you as well. You're right. Yeah, Ben Taylor, Double D Mondays, man. Nickname that I had a long time ago, he brought it back. He brought, he revitalized it. Wow, I'm not surprised that it was Ben of all people to uh, revive yeah. that nickname for you, sir. He did. He he gave it a little resuscitation, and now it's back to life. So there you go. <laughs> well, it's been a couple of weeks since I've had a chance to uh, talk to you on the airwaves. I know it's been a little crazy for both of us, but uh, back in the routine of things, Daryl joins us every Tuesday at 3.30 here on On the Line on ESPN 106.7. He appears on Locked on Auburn with Zach Blackerby. Uh, I made the joke before we went to break. I said, I think you make an appearance on every sports talk show in the state of Alabama. Am I wrong about that? It's funny. I've been on a few, and I'm blessed to do that. But yeah, I'm on Ben's. I'm on your show. Sometimes I'm on WNSP and Mobile uh, on on Thursday night. So when you get away from hosting or co-hosting a show regularly, like I did with Doug Amos, man, the, the time that you have it just kind of frees you up. So I enjoy being a guest on these shows and uh, offering a little bit of Auburn and other sports, uh, you know, takes. And it's just fun. I enjoy talking with different people like that kind of get a little versatility well let's jump into it talking Auburn football they had their uh, first scrimmage on Saturday of the fall practice uh, period and uh, I think expectations from the fans were a little high especially from the quarterback spot I wanted to hear some things about the running backs receivers all that type of stuff and then we got some good notes and maybe not some some good notes from from the scrimmage on Saturday Daryl what did you hear and what's your takeaway after the first scrimmage those things are so, uh, you know, depending on the eyes of the beholder. That's where I always take them with a grain of salt, whether it's overly praising and a, a great reports come out of scrimmaging, scrimmages or if they're a little bit of a negative report. I, I feel like the people that are watching them are watching them with certain, uh, I guess, goggles per se mm-hmm. and kind of a different view. And so it's hard to kind of sift through all the – the takes and all the different things because we've heard we heard some conflicting things to be quite honestly to quite be quite honest but I think there's some things with some people that I trust that have gone to these numerous times that don't have a dog in the fight or don't have an agenda or really are just looking at something with an eyeball test and I feel like a couple of takeaways are as we suspected the running game is going to carry this team early on I it's not that I don't think Auburn's going to figure it out through the air I think they will but I think as you're kind of finding your feet and you're kind of you know, trying to determine your identity and what you're going to be as a football team early on in the schedule, it's not a bad thing to have what I consider to be a really, really good, almost great running back room. And that will carry you through a lot of games you know, early on until you start hitting your, the, the meat of your SEC schedule. Now, eventually, SEC defensive coordinators will figure it out. They'll start stacking the box. And as we've seen, Jacob, in years past, you have to be able to throw the ball in this SEC environment to win. So I think, I think Auburn will get that figured out whenever they decide on who the quarterback's going to be. I think the route trees look a lot more complex than the reads that used to be, that we're used to seeing around Auburn, which is great news for me to hear, uh, that there's some separation there from the receivers because of the complexity of the route trees. I think the offensive line's coming, coming along. 
Uh, but I think the, the third takeaway, the one that concerns me a little bit, is I, there seems to be this carryover of what we saw on A-Day, and that's running backs against Auburn's run defense being able to get the corners and get the edge. I think Auburn has to do a better job from its edge and its jacks and its safeties to set that edge and make sure people can't get outside and bounce outside. And I think that that's something that's an area of a concern right now. Well, I'm glad you bring that up, Daryl, because a lot of questions I've been getting, whether it be on the show or out in public or from friends or whatever, has been, well, what's the defense, right? Everybody's focused on the offense and the quarterbacks and the receivers, right? Everybody's worried about that, but what's going on on the defensive side? And for what I've seen at the practices I've been able to go to and the people that I talk to, we know that secondary is loaded. I mean, there's so many guys that are going to be playing NFL-level football out of the back, but the linebackers have been a big question on who's going to start. And as you brought up just now, maybe the run defense isn't as good as we need it to be right now. You know, tale as old as time, as you've always heard early on in fall camps and in scrimmages and those type of things, the defense is always ahead of the offense. And there's a reason for that. I mean, you're putting in complex passing routes and check downs and that kind of thing. If you're just lining up straight helmet on helmet and, and gashing, you know, from a run standpoint, it either says that you've got an incredibly elite backfield or you've got some things you've got to work on defensively. I think it's a combination of both. I wouldn't panic yet, but I do believe as, as good as this secondary is, there's still something to be said about tackling in space. And you can be phenomenal uh, when the ball's in the air as far as tracking the football and interceptions and knocking things down and coming up and tackling at the line of scrimmage when you do a run blitz. But when you go outside and a, and a running back bounces it outside, you've got to be able to tackle in space one-on-one. So for this secondary to truly be one of the best secondaries that Auburn's ever have, had, that aspect of their game has to step up as well as the newer linebackers, the Austin Keys, the Larry Nixon's the third, Asante, who's kind of Eugene Asante, who's kind of emerging a little bit as, as a, a transfer from North Carolina like we thought he would. They have got to be able to hold the edge and tackle in space. I think the defensive line interior with Jason Jones and, and Justin Rogers and Lawrence Johnson and Keita, I think they're going to do good. I, I think they're going to hold the fort, so to speak. But once you get locked up, inside like that and you bounce it outside I just I'm, I'm wanting to see more from the linebackers the edge position and the safeties because in, in the SEC you get that on film and people will exploit that so but other than that I think the defense and then the pass rush aspect too uh, hard to tell when they blow the whistle that dead when you get within five feet of a quarterback or you do certain things I'm really curious guys like McLeod and McAllister and some of those guys, Keldrick Falk, what kind of pressure they're going to be able to put on the quarterback from the outside. Right, and something that I've I've tried to, to tell my listeners, and I know they've brought it up to me, it's like you want, you know, in, in practice and in these scrimmages, you want to hear that the offensive line held up and created holes and gave the quarterback time. But, Daryl, on the flip side, like you just mentioned, you want the defensive line to get some pressure, make a play, and get to the quarterback. And that's something Hugh Freeze said that he didn't see a ton of from the defense in that first scrimmage on Saturday. That's why it's hard to gain anything from what you're being told unless you can look at it yourself. Right. Because is it, a, is it a case of our offensive line is just studs and this revamped offensive line and transfer portal guys are really, really good and they're not letting anybody 
you know, penetrate the quarterback. And if that happens, I'm okay with that. I mean, I would rather err on that side and say our offensive line is really, really good. Our defensive line is having a hard time in practice getting any kind of pressure. But I know going into the season, the quarterbacks will be protected, and the defensive line will figure it out against maybe inferior offensive line. I get that. Um, you know, it, it's or is it that the offensive line is average and the defensive line is just not skilled set yet to be able to put any pressure on the quarterback? I think you'll see that more as fall practice goes. I can remember, as you do in the Gus Malzahn era, you'd come out of practice and you'd hear you know, things about defensive ends and defensive tackles at Auburn that were going to be All-Americans because of the pass rush they were getting in practice. Well, just to be frank, it just turned out our offensive line sucked. And they were just, I mean, it's true. They were getting to the quarterback freely because we were, you know, uh, basically a turnstile. So I think that you, you take both with a grain of salt, but I trust this staff enough and I trust what they've done from the portal standpoint on both lines of scrimmage to think that it might be a case of sometimes strength on strength. And nothing wrong with if you've got a little better offensive line than your defensive line is right now. That's okay. It's foreign to us around here for a while, but that's okay. That's how you build a team, in my opinion, from the ground up. We're speaking with Daryl Daprich here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. He joins us every Tuesday here at 3.30. couple of recruiting notes real quick before uh, we let you get out of here. Auburn picks up T.J. Lindsey over the weekend. Auburn football, that is, and, and adding that to a 2024 class that has 16 total recruits in it now, uh, 14 of those being blue-chip ratio players, and we both know how important that is. And according to 247, up to number 14 in the class rankings. Uh, and then on the not-so-positive side, basketball-wise, Auburn missing out on Flory Badunga, uh, who went to Kansas. Kansas, your uh, your reactions and breakdowns of those two storylines. I'll, I'll take the positive first. Lindsey, kind of everybody felt like he was coming for a couple of weeks, but it's still a great get because you've got another four-star on the defensive side of the ball, the defensive line, which you need on both lines of scrimmages. He's a kid that's coming from Little Rock, Arkansas, but I expect his star to continue to rise and ascend because his senior year he'll be playing at IMG Academy in Bradenton. Football factory, elite football school when it comes to training, nutrition, techniques, coaching, all that. That kid will only get better, and I will not be surprised at the end of his senior year if his ranking is even higher. So Auburn gets a good one there. As far as Flory's concerned, shocked. Everything I saw, everything I heard, including some people inside the complex, thought this kid was going to Auburn. He started trending late to Auburn over the last week. If you'd asked me two weeks ago, I wouldn't have thought Auburn was in his top three. But then as it started getting closer to his commitment announcement, um, and what a debacle that thing was, yes. the Under Armour game outdoors in thunderstorms, smart move there. Kids are <laughs> slipping on the floor. I'm going, I cannot believe I'm still watching this. I mean, three times during the game, you know, people fall. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, did Adidas win out? Is this an Under Armour event and it looks mid and it doesn't look good? Is that... I don't know, but I will say this. For anybody concerned about that or hand-wringing, you lost a kid to Kansas, one of the most historic basketball programs in the country and has been traditionally. That Auburn was in the final two or three is a good sign. I trust Bruce Pearl. He'll go to plan B, whatever it is. There's a couple of of four-stars and five-star kids now that are supposed to be visiting in the upcoming months or in weeks. We'll see. But, yeah, I thought he was coming to Auburn. I was a little bit shocked by that. But at the end of the day, 
you know, two weeks ago, I kind of conceded that he was gone, so got my hopes up. But I think that the Kansas thing, you don't mind. You hate it, but it's not as bad when you lose to a blue blood or a traditional blue blood like Kansas is. Daryl, one more before uh, I let sure. you plug your stuff and let you get out of here. The preseason top 25 for the AP poll came out, and we're talking about that a little bit today. And the conversation and question came up, and I'd love to get your your thought on this. I asked the question to my listeners, when in the 2023 season, because Auburn is not in the preseason top 25, not expected to be, nobody really, you know, that wasn't supposed to happen. But here's the question to you, my friend. When do you think in the 2023 season for Auburn football that we will see them be ranked in the top 25 for the first time? Week four. Great question, and I've thought about that myself, which is kind of a dork that I am, that I thought about a question on my own without you even asking me, but that's how it is. Hey, I, you're a former radio I, guy. You know what's going on. Yeah, I, I think that way. You know, we hung out a little bit at, at SEC Media Day, so it was osmosis. I, I that's think right. Week four. I think week four is when you see Auburn enter the polls in week four, and then where they enter the polls will be interesting. People automatically assume that when you first make your entry into the polls, sometimes it has to be in the 20s. Not so. If you have a really good first three or four games, and that game three or game four is a statement game, and you win and you win against an SEC foe and you win you know, really emphatically, you could get into the 17th or 18th spot in your first appearance in the polls. So I think after – I guess it would be week four. Was it Texas A&M game week four? Uh, Texas A&M is, yes, week four after you play yeah, Sanford after, at home. Yep. Yeah, after I would say, well, it could be after Sanford. You go, you win three in a row and look impressive. So I'm going to stick to my original. And the week four poll, uh, AP poll, I think that, that's my prediction that Auburn will be in that poll. And just to play devil's advocate, if they don't beat Texas A&M, you have Georgia, LSU after that. It could be a while before Auburn finds the top 25. Yeah, you would have to get into like week eight or week nine and be one of those teams that's really, really catching fire late and getting better as you goes along and gets into the pole at like six and three, yeah. right? Or something like that. Seven and two, six and three, but a good win to get you to six and three or seven and three with two games left. That could happen. That's feasible too. And if that happens, Auburn fans should be pleased with that. I think at any point during the year, you make an entry in the top 25 poll, top 25 poll and then end up there after a bowl game, you take that all day. Dale Dapperts joins us every Tuesday, one of the best guests in the business, one of the best in this business, talking Auburn football, basketball, athletics in general. Uh, Man, it's always a blast to talk to you. Uh, It's been too long, and we look forward to having you on next week. Tell everybody where they can find you, your appearances on Locked on Auburn, and anything else you got going on. I can't keep up with you sometimes, man. Yeah, I'm on Fridays uh, with Zach on Locked on Auburn. We also come on live after any big recruitment announcement. We will be on Sunday mornings after all football games, Auburn football games on a reaction show. And then I'm on with Ben Taylor Monday mornings at 710 on Auburn Open Like It This Morning, W-A-N-I. Daryl Dapperts, again, appreciate you, brother, as always. And I'll talk to you next week as we get closer to football season. Take care, Jacob. That is Daryl Dapperich again joining us on the phone lines. Always a pleasure talking to him. Uh, He has such great insights and just a fun guy and a fun conversation. So I appreciate him uh, as always, and he will join us again every Tuesday throughout the football, basketball, baseball seasons. Uh, As long as as he's willing to come back, we'll have him on every Tuesday at 3.30. Interesting that he said uh, after that Texas A&M game as well uh, for – for Auburn to be uh, possibly getting into that top 25. We'll take our final break, come back, and wrap up the Tuesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. 
you are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Winding down here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Big thank you to Daryl Dapritz, Double D, uh, for joining us here on the show. He is a regular guest every Tuesday at 3.30. You can also catch him on Locked on Auburn with Zach Blackerby and, as he mentioned, on Auburn Opelika this morning on News Talk WANI. That's 98.7 on your radio dial uh, every Monday morning with Ben Taylor talking sports. So uh, Daryl's all over uh, all over the town when it comes to uh, radio and Auburn athletics, but we appreciate him and his time uh, every single week he's a, he's become a great friend of mine and I appreciate him every single week but uh, if you missed any of today's show it's been a lot of fun. It's really flown by, to be honest with you. Uh, it's gone by really quick. We are 18 days away from the start of Auburn football. We've talked about football a lot. Uh, we have Braves Today audio that we started off the show with, with Ben Taylor and Lindsey Crosby. We've talked about the preseason top 25 for college football that came out as we are less than three weeks away. Talked about some of the teams that are in there. Auburn playing five of those preseason top 25 teams, including three of them in the top 25 with Georgia, Alabama, and LSU and again no uh no shock there that Auburn plays a tough schedule but it is what it is and that's how it goes in the SEC West and so uh we talked about that a lot and the question that I ended the conversation with Daryl where do you think Auburn will make their first appearance in the top 25 in 2023 so been a great conversation that's been a lot of focal point today uh here for the show and and so if you missed any of that we talked some recruiting as well who could be next for Auburn football talked about TJ Lindsay with Daryl just now and we talked about myself and you I had the conversation about uh, who could be next for Auburn football because they're not done and there's some big names coming off the board in the next week or so so if you missed any of that today from the show be sure to go and catch up with the podcast ESPN au.com or just search on the line uh, wherever you get your podcast uh, it'll be uploaded commercial free right after the show today so be sure you go and find it uh, you can find all my other podcasts there uh, as well for my other shows and so be sure that you go and do that kind of preview and what tomorrow will look like uh, tomorrow uh, is Wednesday, so it's a busy day around here. You know that. We'll have uh, Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 get some updates from Athens on what's going on with the Georgia Bulldogs as their uh, season approaches, along with Alabama, as Austin Hannon of Bama Central will join us in the second hour tomorrow as well. So getting uh, the rivals, uh, uh, <laughs> updates from the rivals, if you will, from Auburn football tomorrow with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 and Austin Hannon of Bama Central. So that's what's coming up tomorrow. Stay tuned here on ESPN 106.7 as Bill Cameron, Dan Peck will be uh, here for the drive uh, from 4 to 6, talking about a lot of things, Auburn football as well. There is a media viewing window later on this afternoon, so I'm going to do my best to get over to that. We'll talk about that tomorrow uh, around our guests, and so should be a great show. And uh, hey, if you're out and about, be careful. I don't know how much longer it's supposed to be raining. It's still thundering here at the Auburn Network Studios, and so if you're out and about, be careful, uh, and hopefully that this rain goes away maybe it cooled it off a little bit feels like 106 earlier today are we serious 106 that's unbelievable so uh, again great show today i enjoyed it tomorrow busy busy day with jordan hill in austin hand and looking forward to uh getting some updates from georgia and alabama as we're 18 days away from the start of most of college football season closer than that for week zero there's some good games there we'll have to talk about those as we get closer 
and closer. But again, stay tuned. Bill and Dan coming up on ESPN 106.7. Until tomorrow, 2 to 4, right here on the Auburn Open Like a Sports Leader. I'm Jacob Goins. I will talk to you tomorrow. Stay safe, and I'll talk to you later.